0: The Sports Career Podcast, episode 256 How can masterminds develop better leaders? Hello, Sports Achiever, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who can enhance your day-to-day life with regards to your sports career development. I hope today's episode can support you with regards to improving your leadership qualities. So I hope today's episode can support you with regards to your sports career development, interests, and needs. Now, getting back to today's show... This week, I'm bringing back a returning guest to the show, Daniel Bauer. Daniel is the founder of Better Leaders, Better Schools, where he specializes in helping teachers with their leadership development, which they can apply into a classroom. For that reason, it's great to have Daniel back on the show. And that's when today's episode, Daniel will share how masterminds can develop better leaders. Daniel, it's such a pleasure to have you back on the podcast show. I can't believe I'm saying this, but you were episode 96, which was nearly four years ago. And it was all about how important leadership is in schools. And you've carried on this great work with leadership. But for the listeners who haven't listened to that episode, can you just provide them a little snapshot of who you are and what you specialize in? I can't believe that it was episode 96 and four
1: years ago. i would like, oh man, time has really flown by. Uh, but yeah in terms of me and my work uh, classroom teacher administrator and then somewhere along that line I started a podcast like you that podcast changed my life and now I have the honor and privilege of serving school leaders in a full-time capacity helping them be more effective we do that uh, one-on-one experiences but we have a community experience too and uh, that's what my new book is about and kind of what people know me for now so it's been pretty cool
0: before we talk about your new book i would love to ask your experience quickly reflecting now how has podcast influenced your own self-development looking back now because you're a consistent podcaster my friend yes which they're very rare very few but looking back how has that had a significant influence to your own development and even business to a point
1: Mm, good question you know, so one thing I'll talk about my wife for a second, too, that the best compliment she ever paid me in public, she said, hey, when Danny says he's going to do something, he does it right. And you you reflected it back to me. So thank you for that generosity. Consistency is key. And one of my enemies in leadership is just talking a lot instead of doing. (laughs) So here's the thing. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. It doesn't mean I'll be successful, but you better believe I'm going to give it my best shot. So yeah, podcasting, you asked about like development leadership business wise. Like I said, it it changed my life. Uh, I started the show to scratch my own itch because my lived experience, I know it's not everybody's, but in a school district, you know, in the States, uh, in the districts where i worked if they brought us together for leadership they were very focused and i understand why test scores attendance discipline right raise two of those decrease the discipline problems or you're fired and that's just not it's not compelling you know it's like if you if you work in a, in a business and the sole mission is like to make the owner richer like that is not compelling that's not inspirational and so I started the show because I wanted to learn how to craft like a really meaningful vision that people loved, right? And drove the work forward. I, I needed to grow in having hard conversations. That's not easy for me, right? It doesn't come natural. Uh, and then, you know, we were talking a lot about race and equity these days. And I've always served in schools where you could consider the, the students uh, uh, under under resourced, right? And underprivileged. And so I've always I've always wondered, like, what can we do about that? And we weren't talking about that stuff in leadership meetings. So I figured, hey, let me talk to guys like Ed. Let me learn from their success and failure. Uh, let me take action, right, on one idea, because that'll make me better. What I didn't realize, you know, you asked about business. So this is the answer to the last part of your question. I didn't realize that it would open... Those kind of doors, right? I was just starting a show, trying to trying to serve school leaders. All of a sudden, those school leaders I was serving through a free podcast started asking for help. So, huh, that's that's interesting. And I'm naturally a coach, you know. I'm I'm a teacher by trade. I think that's and I've always been like a coach as a teacher. Uh, and so that was really easy for me to step into, and then you know really really invest on making those skills better. And helping my clients like soar. And that's what I get to do. And the best part is like everybody I work with, they want to be there. You know what I mean? What a gift. So I truly say that I have the best job in the world because everybody I work with wants to be there. I get to create content I want to create. And uh, we're, we're making a ruckus is what I like to say. We're making a ruckus in education.
0: Absolutely. And I, I want to tap into one little segment of what you've said, because I think it's super important, but also I'm fascinated as well. May I ask how you've approached those hard conversations? Because that it's not just in schools. It's actually in every aspect of our life here, but oh, yeah. you, you've got used to it now. But may I ask, do you have a game plan? Do you deep breathe in before you make that conversation? Like, I'm really intrigued <laughs> on that point you said.
1: Yeah, sure. It's still not easy. Okay, it's still not easy for sure. And it's something you have to work at. Uh, You mentioned breathing. And so I think with breathing, that connects me to the idea of like mindfulness, you know, and one thing that I've learned through all of that is uh, being aware just what's going on, right? So first awareness is just on your breath. And so you might, you know, if, if, if the stakes are high, it's very possible that you're sh- taking short breaths or maybe not even breathing right and scanning your body that's a that's a mindfulness technique so what is my face saying you know does it look like i'm communicating uh how i feel about you in a negative way <laughs> or am i am i smiling am i being stoic you know whatever how about my hands my hands clenched you know notice my heart rate and again the breathing that could slow that down too so a lot of that's um, self-awareness. Uh, I recorded a show, I don't think it was four years ago, but it was in the past, with a coach named David Wood. And he talked about like these four steps to having a tough conversation. I might butcher this because I don't have it specifically memorized. But one of the things that I, I remember him saying that I thought was really interesting right before or right in the middle, right? You're starting this uh, tough conversation. You tell that person, hey, this potentially can be a tough conversation. So you're framing it, right? This potentially could be a very tough conversation. It might even get awkward or a bit emotional. And I want to say that now because one, it's asking for permission, right? Like, would you, would you like to spar with me, so to speak in this, in this tough conversation? And two, I think this relationship is like worth it. What I have to communicate, I think it's feedback you need to hear to make you better. But I'm not going to share it if if you're not open to hearing it. You know what I mean? And connecting some dots, we read in the mastermind book in this past year called Thanks for the Feedback. It wasn't about how to give feedback better. It's actually how to receive feedback better. One of the biggest things I learned from that book is that uh, feedback actually comes in three forms. And we often think of feedback in terms of evaluation: good job, bad job, right? But there's also feedback that's um, sort of like celebrating and affirmation, you know. And then there's also uh, coaching, okay? And so those three different types of feedback, not always like evaluation. If you cross wires, somebody is wanting to be appreciated and seen for the hard work they did, and you come in there with a rubric or some evaluative tool and tell them, you know, how they scored that's really going to land poorly, you know, or if they're looking for coaching again, and you're just saying, Hey, good job. And you're not telling them what to do to improve and that kind of thing. It's still gonna, it's still going to be a mismatch. So, you know, that's some of the stuff that I've been thinking about when it comes to tough conversations.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And there will be a link to that podcast in the show notes. I think it's such so important, but before we talk about this podcast topic, when you reached out to me about your new book, which we'll talk about soon as well. Um, I said to you straight away. This was actually in 2020. You sort of reached out and going. So glad you reached out because there's been a lot of teachers in the UK who I know, and I've been forward in your podcast. And you. because of the cha- because of the challenges that teachers are faced, just for any teachers who are listening to this, would you mind just sharing a snapshot of what your podcast is about? Because you work with teachers, you work with leaders, and they've had their challenges of basically going from in-person learning teaching to then everything on zoom which okay in business that's transcended but the difference of businesses your age group are a lot younger you know and to have that attention i bet it's been very challenging i know some friends who are teachers it's been a huge struggle may I ask what your podcast is about and how it could help them through any challenges through this pandemic period if that makes sense
1: Sure, sure. Well, so I, broadly, I love talking about education. I talk about leadership, right? And in, in you lead in a classroom, you don't have to have the title of head teacher, I think is what you call them in the UK. Uh, but the thing is, you know, I, I love talking about those topics. And I think I take an unorthodox approach in the sense that, yes, I'll talk to school leaders, but I also love talking to leaders in other industries, just to say, hey, what's working for you? And how can we translate to the classroom experience, right? So you get a lot of fresh and innovative ideas in that way. And that's a gift I want to give to education as well, because the type of people that listen to my show and certainly the type of people who join the mastermind or hire me as a coach, they're already reading that stuff in education. And so I don't need to point them and give them more tools there necessarily. So I'm I'm working on their mindset, on their effectiveness and that kind of thing. And then I'm pointing them to tools and resources that they have never seen before because it exists outside of education. So hopefully that helps. I I can't say that this is true necessarily for the listener. I I did a couple of shows where, you know, I shared some of the things that we've learned about Zoom and remote and virtual and this kind of stuff, because we've been playing in this space since 2015. But what I can say with 100% confidence is that our members of the Mastermind community, Going through COVID and still going through COVID, it wasn't easy, but they felt prepared, which was a huge advantage over every other school who was scrambling, like, what the, you could fill in the blank, are we going to do? Right. Our principals, you know, and, and assistant principals, they knew exactly what to do and they felt ready. So th- we met this challenge head on. And that's been something I've been super proud of.
0: Awesome. And I want to get to this podcast topic now because it so relates and it's relevant. How could masterminds develop better leaders? And if you don't mind for the listener, can you also explain, Daniel, what a mastermind is as well?
1: Yeah, thanks, Ed. So the, the structure, you know, it's it'll vary between groups. But imagine having, number one, uh, a cohort, a, a personal board of directors, right, that are team ed or team whoever you are. They're going to be cheering you on to success. Uh, but they're also be very candid with you, where your thinking needs to be developed, where you might be missing something, you know, so on and so forth, so that you that you grow. The greatest part of the mastermind, and every mastermind I know of has this at least, is called the hot seat, and that's when you briefly share uh, the context of a challenge that you might be going through, or talking about a project you want to get off the ground, and now you leverage the collective IQ of this. Uh, personal board of directors, and so they ask clarifying questions or hard hitting questions that really get you uh, thinking. Uh, they they themselves share stories of success and failure. They point you towards resources, and even if you know if if you've really processed and have a couple of options prior to the mastermind, I mean, just I, hopefully I'm expressing the value of ex the exponential value really right of leveraging. That collective experience from people who sit in a seat just like you, get what you're going through, and can provide value and resources in terms of navigating the tough stuff that exists in education. So you walk away from that mastermind experience just so much more prepared, right? And that's if you're in the hot seat, sharing your context. You know, that doesn't happen every week, we rotate it. So there's actually tremendous value, um, maybe even more, I would argue when you're not on the hot seat, one, it feels good to help people out. Two, you get reminded of challenges you should be preparing for, like, oh, yeah, I forgot, like, around this time of the year, this type of stuff happens, let me get ready for it. And then three, uh, you actually become a more proactive leader, because you hear what other folks are, you know, preparing for or thinking about, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know that existed, right? Now I know. So you're not blindsided, right? You're not in reactive mode, you're actually in planning proactive mode. And again, COVID's a classic example because as schools were changing, kind of like the schools that were lagging behind, there were some leaders that were doing things, you know, and changing the structure before they had to. So again, not only had they been playing in this space for years and felt prepared. They also got to see schools and talk right in depth about what you're doing, asking the follow up questions. And that's so much more valuable uh, than doing that within your, you know, your district or your school community, because it's, it's not a bad thing, but um, tunnel vision, you know what I mean? Like that, that happens. Uh, group think, you know, and hmm, In in your gut, sometimes you're just like, I don't know if that's the best way, right? But everybody, rah, 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 like this is how we're doing it. If you're talking to schools all around the world about what they're doing, you're just going to have a better education experience, period. Like you can't convince me otherwise. So so that hot seat is in every mastermind, things that, you know, might be rotated through, celebrating wins, tips of the week, you know, book studies and that kind of stuff. But each one will have a hot seat component.
0: And just relating to your experience with your mass mind, have you seen people just elevate their leadership qualities? Just reflecting now. Yeah. And including yourself as well, not to put you on the hot seat. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, it certainly made me a better leader because, um, you know, I love to do stuff in public. And this is a weekly expression of leadership, right? And leading leaders is different than leading others. You, sh- you really have to bring your A game. Otherwise, it's just not going to work out, you know? Um, so that's been, that's been growth for me. Uh, and something, you know, I didn't realize for, for uh, our participants and members, we actually rotate who facilitates the meeting. And that was born out of necessity. I got sick and couldn't attend. You know, uh, this was way back, like 2016, maybe. And uh, I just, I, I asked one of the members that I really trusted, could you lead on my behalf? And that, that necessity turned into innovation, which became a part of our culture. And they love leading. And I'm like, wow, this made the mastermind so much better. Yes, people value my perspective, but now we get everybody's perspective. You know, every week it's different every week because, you know, different leaders are, are uh, facilitating the experience. And that was just really a truly, I don't know, remarkable sort of thing that happened. I never, I would have been the bottleneck I would have facilitated every single meeting forever unless I had gotten sick. And I'm so glad I did. So leadership lesson there is just like, you know, sometimes those challenges actually are the pathway forward to make things better. So
0: wow, you can see my big smile now. Out of interest, what inspired (laughs) you to write a book on I would say these two topics, mastermind and leadership? Because really I've read it, it's a phenomenal book, but I love your thoughts of what inspired you to get thoughts onto paper
1: i never would have written this book to be honest and uh corwin my publisher they came and pitched me whoa so the neat thing there and i want to say this humbly 2019 was a really cool year in that all the major publishers in education all asked me to do a book all the all the acquisition editors reached out and I do say that humbly because the, the lesson is when you show up and you're consistent and you offer value to others and, and do it in a spirit of service, people notice, maybe not right away, right? But years down the road, everybody was knocking on my door. The difference with Corwin is that they didn't say what idea you have. They said, we'd love to tell the story of how you're supporting school leaders, because we don't see that anywhere else. It's fresh, it's innovative, it's changing the landscape of how leaders are experiencing professional development. And I thought, Ed, I was like, whoa, you know, do I do this? Because this is my baby, it's so close to me, and you're business-minded as well. There is a business aspect to it. It's not free, there's no way. It's so good, that's. it's not gonna be free. And anyways, so how do I write about this thing too? And don't make it like a sales letter or, you know what I mean? Like I wanted people to, and you read it, so you can, you're, you're welcome to share your personal experience with the book. But my goal was to talk about why it works, you know, at why it works at a high level. And I was hoping by sharing case studies, practical examples, people could take what I call the ABCs, a powerful professional development, authenticity, belonging, and challenge, and if they integrate that within a classroom or school-wide experience, it would just level up the entire thing. And I eventually got there. It took it took multiple, multiple drafts. It took two years. Um, but I'm very proud of what I've created at this point. And I, I know it's, it's well-researched. I think it's an easy read, you know, and maybe I hope I made you laugh a couple of times. I don't know if I did, but I hope I did. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. There. there is one story I'm going to touch on. But before I forget, can you just name, like, name the book to the listeners, what it's called? And there will be a link in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the title is Mastermind, Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader.
0: Awesome. And I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to nick a little few areas which just fascinated me. And, and trust me, guys, I, I read a lot of books. And I've read about three leadership books this year. And I said, Daniel, before this podcast, chat, going, you've got me really thinking of areas of leadership with the method of mastermind, which is such a great interwind. It's like I'm big into tennis. They're like doubles partners. And that's why this book's a win win. And, and, and I love it. But there's one area I want to touch on. You said in the book, you said uh, leadership is an art. And you gave a great example that you could see Picasso and his work. You could see Van Gogh and his work. They are quality piece of work, but they are different. Could you just relate to what I've said, which is in your book, that how leadership is an art, it's not just one type fits all.
1: You know, I, that, that makes me think of how I used to uh, describe myself. I'm, I'm thinking when I joined Twitter look, years and years ago, I'm pretty sure that in my bio, I said that uh, I'm an artist and my cl- my canvas is the classroom. I don't remember if I put that in the book or not. But that idea has never really changed. And so my canvas then became a school. And now the canvas is, I guess, the mastermind and the podcast is BLBS, Better Leaders, Better Schools platform I built. And that's been pretty fun, too, because when you think of impact, the last school I led, I don't know, 1300 kids. It was a middle school, sixth through eighth grade in the States. And uh, now if there's like a thousand kids, let's say, on average per leader, 72 leaders and seven different cohorts leaders from around the world that's at least 72,000 kids and then you add the podcast that has a million and a half downloads the impact in the canvas has gotten bigger but you're right and, and when it comes to like an art form I think it's important to look to people uh, who are doing great work and emulate parts of that but don't try to be them put your own spin on it and that's, that's a mistake I made in the past, and uh, I'm glad I learned it, right? And the, the quick story about that was my first year teaching ever, uh, sixth grade, language arts and reading, and I'm in Marietta, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta, okay? And, and I, I'm a sixth grade teacher. I'm sure you could guess what my classroom was like. It was more, it was a lot of talking. It was excitement, energy, right? Kids sitting, not in rows, but in in groups, uh, playing music, honoring their cultures, you know what I mean? And like really great engagement, but at times it could be messy, you know, and and stressful to some extent. And I remember walking past this eighth grade history teacher's classroom. He was a veteran, you know, he was in the the military and the eighth graders, the kings and queens of the school, like the real big deal, Right. I remember that they would line up outside of his classroom, line up like the military, completely silent, standing straight, sir, yes, sir. And they would walk in quietly. They would sit in their rows. They would do their worksheets. I mean, it was probably a terrible experience, but I'm like, oh man, that looks so peaceful in there. I got it. I'm going to do this. So I started lining up my kids, right? And telling them to shush and don't you dare talk. And i took the groups and I made rows and, oh man, it was, a it failed terribly because I wasn't leading like who I am. I wasn't honoring, you know, how I'm made and how I approach teaching. And uh, that was even more stressful, right? Than the environment that I created. So I just had to figure that out for myself. And hopefully that illustrates a bit of like the, the art
0: form of either teaching or leadership. Daniel I'm going to put you on the spot now yeah please what's your definite leadership now I think it's just being of service to others because I want to decode that now because there's one area of the book that really got me off my guard which is asked me to ask better questions to myself you said there are two elements that make you a more negative leader which is inauthentic and isolation could you just explain more on those two points
1: Yeah, so I I talked a little bit about authentic, right, and trying to be somebody else. And that just that that fails and that hampers then the value you could create for others. Right. Or like I said, if my definition of leadership is of service, then your service is going to be poor. Um, The second part was isolation. And to me, you know, I, I read years ago, 2015, probably this book, Enemies of Excellence by Pat Lencioni. And long story short, he said the number one enemy to excellence is isolation, you know? And, and that's true. It's like there's that proverb, right? If you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go together. That's the point. Like we know these things to be true, but yet we stay isolated. And I don't understand why. I think it's just because one, it's easier. And two, if you do things in community, then you might get feedback that you might not want, (laughs) right? Or just like there will be conflict, like all the messiness of relationships uh, has to be navigated. And so in some respects, like isolation is a way of hiding and people might not even realize that they're doing that, but it's just, it's hampering, you know, and limiting the, the impact, ultimate impact you can have.
0: So on that point, how has that mastermind been a method to resolve those two elements? Because it's in the book, very clear, but just for the listeners, how have you seen some of your sort of cohort of masterminders who have just overcome those obstacles? Because as you said, with isolation, they may not even realize, but when they're in that environment with that bit of guidance can get them over that obstacle, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it gets them through, you know, being inauthentic or being isolated. Obviously, it's a community experience, right? So there's no way to be isolated because you're, you're surrounded by people within the cohort. Uh, and it helps you be authentic in a number of ways. So one, we have these things called agreements within the mastermind. One of them is that we picked you to be you. So whoever Ed is, like, we want that Ed in the mastermind. Like, not who you think we want or not what you think, like, you know, super effective and, you know, influential, impactful. Ed is like, we just, we want you to be you and you don't, we don't judge you. There's no consequences. I I was quite proud because we did a quarterly survey of our members recently. And I wanted to know how we're delivering on brand, our brand promises. One of the promises we make to our members is this is a safe space where you could talk about anything. And we talk about difficult topics that we don't all agree on but you will not be judged, right? And you won't get any consequences for uh, just basically being you, you know? And so 100%, literally 100% of our members said the mastermind is a safe space where I could talk about what I need to talk about and not fear judgment or consequence. And I'm super proud of that. If if we want to, we won't go too, too deep, but authenticity, and you'll get this in the book, But it's made up of psychological safety, self awareness, and being values driven. And obviously, like that's a big, nice chapter there. Um, And there's different things that you can do, you know, in order to boost up psychological safety, to be more self aware, and then what it means to, you know, create shared values and then live them out.
0: Absolutely. Look, everybody, if you're listening in, this book isn't just helping your leadership. Daniel goes in depth of like if you want to run your mastermind on a different topic, you know, I know this is sports career podcast, but if it's marketing, if it's like sport leaders, you can apply the principles of how to run effective mastermind. But there's one thing I want to talk about just for people joining a mastermind. I think this is just as important. What do you look for? What attitude do you look for for somebody joining your mastermind? Because what I loved in this conversation, we're both open. But in masterminds, people think if they haven't been to one, they could be a bit more like caged or, you know, like in their shell. So would you mind just provide a little tips of the sort of attitude of how you approach a mastermind if it's somebody's first one?
1: Yeah, if it's somebody's first one, just, you know, obviously it's it's about relationships. And if you go with a heart of generosity, you know, looking to see like how you can help, asking good questions, being an active listener, that kind of you know, just don't overthink it, just be good to people. You know, it's about relationships. And uh, if you do that, I think you'll you'll thrive quite nicely.
0: Absolutely. Now, there's one little story I want to share in the book, because you said earlier, uh, hopefully, when people read my book, they'll be chuckling. And there's one, which was such a cool story. Now, you'll probably say one, but for me, it was from a reader perspective, came to a debate. And it was the story about the key, the key in the room at the school with the books, the key story if you don't mind I want to dig deep would you mind just sharing that story because the reason why I chuckled is I thought you were right before you explain it but then I realized your last reaction I went hold on a minute there was a mistake there of what you did but would you mind if we can dig deep in this little case study because it emphasizes your point on being authentic but also how you learn from experiences of being a better leader too
1: you do. You you gotta learn from experience. You're not gonna get it all right all the time. And that's okay. So this is an example of me like massively screwing something up. <laughs> so I was in like a quasi administrative role in that I was getting my credentials and certification to be an administrator. And so the administration had given me certain privileges, you know, and things to lead, things to manage. And so one of those uh, deals was I was also in the English department. I was their instructional coach, helping them be more effective, you know, as as educators. I worked, one of my colleagues probably like objectively was the worst teacher I've ever worked with, right? Maybe the worst teacher in the world, maybe the worst teacher in the history of teaching. Okay. So I just want to frame that this was a really bad teacher. And I mean, she did things like I remember when I was an administrator and I was her evaluator. I had a classroom observation scheduled with her that she knew about because sometimes they know sometimes you're supposed to do some that they don't know. She knew about it. And she was like 15 minutes late to class. And I sat there and was like, is she even coming? Like, this is kind of wild if I wasn't even there there would be no adult there. Okay, so that, that's the future. This, I want to frame how bad she was. And there were times too that I just remember at the end of the semester, she would uh, fail a bunch of students. And then all of a sudden, you get all these parent calls, you know what I mean? Because it was a surprise. And, and so there's just a lot going on there. Another thing that was problematic was she took off a lot of work. Now, people should take days off work, especially mental health days. They they need to take care of themselves. I'm talking about like every Friday she was taken off, like every single one. And she was a veteran. And we have strong unions, you know, especially in Chicago. And uh, anyways, so that was that was bad, in my opinion. And the thing is, her room, right? Her room had the book room for the whole entire English department. So when she was absent, uh, that book room stayed locked. And, you know, most teachers, they they try to prepare and plan and that kind of thing. But sometimes you need materials the day of, right? Or you're calling an audible and you want to make changes to the lesson and need different resources. Well, they couldn't get the resources because they were locked and she was absent. So I took it upon myself to start opening up that room when she was absent, Right. And give access to the teachers to the materials because ultimately the kids needed it, right? And she got wind of it and was very frustrated. Okay, so we decided that we should have a conversation about this. And I read uh, what was it? Crucial Conversations that it has like five authors, so you know, but it's a good book about tough conversations. They give you they give you like a format, you know. So I, I read the book. I practice and scripted out what the tough conversation would be like. I reread the book, practiced some more, and then I show up. And the mental model here, too, is like the map is not the territory, right? So you could prepare. And it's good. You need to do these things through your mind, like thought experiments. How's this going to go? How's it going to play out? Secondary consequences, you know, and this kind of stuff. But what I wasn't prepared and I didn't plan for was how to adjust when it went off script. (laughs) Because Ed, right, when I did the thought experiment, she responded to all the things that I was doing, quote unquote, correctly, right? Uh, Making sure there was safety, you know, and all, all the different stuff you're supposed to do. So the conversation goes off script. It's not going well. And essentially, she wanted me to give back the key I had to her room and to the book room. <laughs> like I said, the conversation was not going well. So the conversation ended when I put the key right in her face, like right there, just an inch from her nose. I said, I'm never, ever given this key back. And with that, we ended the conversation and I left the room. I was a complete jerk. That was terrible. I'm ashamed to admit it. And what I what I learned, one, the things you plan for will go off script. And I, I didn't have the self-awareness I have now. I could have noticed in my body, and we talked about the breathing, right? The shortness of breath. My body, I was tense. I knew that. We could have hit pause on the conversation, right? And said, let's let's talk about this again. It's getting a little heated. And I don't want you know, I don't want to say anything that I would regret or that's unprofessional. Can we revisit this later? If I was a healthier leader back then, I would have done that. The other major, major lesson is that I, I realized we were actually talking about two different issues. That was a huge learning moment for me. I was talking about you're absent too much. And when you're absent, Our faculty don't have, and students don't have access to resources, right? I couldn't engage her on that topic because that wasn't the topic she wanted to talk about. And I was totally oblivious until years later when I reflected on it. She wanted to talk about the fact that I was going into her room. And here's the thing. She was right. I was going into her room. And I didn't realize how she experienced that, right? That really made her feel terrible. And that she couldn't trust me. Now, the thing where she was wrong is she thought, because I was in this like quasi-administrative role, like she thought I was going in there, you know, like a villain, all right, and searching through her materials because she was a big part of the union, too, and trying to get like intel on what the union was doing and feeding that to the administration. Nothing could be further from the truth. I just cared about the books. But she cared about having a private space. Again, she was right about that and uh, protecting the union materials. And that was completely lost to me in the moment and during that year. And so uh, since if I would have addressed that part of her concern, we probably could have gotten to the book room and had a resolution. But yeah, I really screwed that one up.
0: <laughs> Daniel, look really quickly. I, I really appreciate your in- authenticity in this conversation. The reason why I picked that example is you got me to win a throne because when I read that piece from the story, I'm like, Daniel's right here. He's taking his initiative. He's thinking about the the staff, the most importantly, the students who need the book. But what I love about the story, right at the end, like I do agree, like your last action with the key in front of the nose, I was like, ah. And that's why I did chuckle because I'm like, "Dash, I wouldn't have done that." But sometimes when emotions bubble up, oh, yeah. it just happens, you know. So, and and I've been in there. I've had that sort of situation in my life, and I think hopefully the listeners too of where I'm coming across. So, I'm super grateful for you sharing that example. And for me, this is where leadership. I can hear it. I can see it. Even more now, Daniel, from when we last spoke, our podcast chat, but just talk about the last thing about leadership is like from those examples. So for the listeners listening in where they've had past experiences, which they would readjust their actions, situations like this, how has it made you a better leader with that regards of self-reflection out of interest?
1: Yeah, well, it really, you know, through podcasting and through the Mastermind experience, I've I've really gone all in, you know, on on my own development, you know, and so for example, I could tell you that uh, there's a great book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Um, I was just writing a piece about their work the other day, uh, but some of the things that they found is like, for uh, it actually pays to be emotionally intelligent. So for every point in your emotional intelligence that you improve, that actually translates to $1,300 more in an annual salary. That's what research shows, right? And uh, let me find this other, it'll just take a sec to pull up. But um, I think Talent Smart also found that 83% of people high in self-awareness are also top performers, Right. So that's like, okay, I'm seeing a trend here. And they also, the same group, uh, they surveyed half a million leaders. It's a lot of leaders, right? You could definitely generalize from that data set. That's a lot of people, a lot of leaders. Three quarters of those half a million leaders had no idea. They could not accurately pinpoint their emotions right now as they're happening, which means their emotions are influencing and guiding all the choices and actions they make, you know. Have you ever found yourself like repeating the same mistakes? And you're like, How did I get here again? That's just a glaring example of blind spots and the lack of self-awareness. So the good news is it can be learned, right? And emotional intelligence 2.0, it's turning into a, a book pitch for their book, but it really is a great resource. It gives you a survey and has very practical examples of what you can do in order to, you know, grow your emotional intelligence. So Like when I started learning about that, it's going to make me better effective, but it makes you a better partner. You know, it makes you a better friend. It makes you a better human being. Uh, You know, this is the type of stuff that I want to to invest in. So that's why I made the mistake, right? That was true. That was more than six years ago. That might be about eight years ago, right? And you said you you experienced me differently four years later. That's because of the development, you know? And again, this is like a, a humble brag, but in 2015, I did something really scary. I invested $1,200 in myself for the first time, right? And that was, uh, that was joining an experience called Podcasters Paradise. And here's the thing. All the information about podcasting that you and I do, right? It's all out there for free, right? You can learn all the things, learn the best resources, how to set up a show, so on and so forth. You'll learn from experience, from your success and failure. The problem with that, again, doing it on your own, that's very slow, but by joining a course and joining a community, I learned about how to make a podcast special quickly. And so that $1,200 that I spent in the first year on myself, I think that's a big reason the show really took off in the early days and now continues to grow a million and a half downloads later. You know what I mean? So the humble brag, it was $1,200 in 2015. In 2021, I've spent over $25,000 on my personal development this year alone, right? That's in one-on-one coaching about leadership stuff and a number of uh, group coaching, like mastermind experiences that I'm a part of. And I know the, like, I already have seen the fruit, like we could get, you know, I could tell you that kind of stuff. But just the point is, is like, if you will bet on yourself, you know, and you got to get past the upper limit challenge, like, am I worth it or not, you know, because it's like, okay. When I get the latest phone, I know it's the latest, it has the best tech or, you know, dressing nicely or, you know what I mean? Like tangible things. But when you're talking about mindset, right, emotional intelligence, these soft skills that uh, are all on sort of the inside, like and it takes time too to see the fruit. It, I've never been disappointed. I really haven't. And I think, you know, looking at what I've created, proofs in the pudding, in my, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. And really quickly, where can people grab a copy of your book? Where's the best place to grab a copy?
1: Sure. There, I mean, honestly, wherever you want to get a book. So um, they're, they're available there. Uh, in, so Amazon, just to be clear for Amazon, very clear. It's on my website. So if you go to com slash mastermind book, and there's some pretty cool bonuses that are only available on my website um but yeah amazon you know booktopia barnes all the places yeah
0: awesome and out of interest just looking back from the last four years we last spoke what have you enjoyed the most from your career journey
1: you know just uh having the impact that i've had has been the best part of it right so it could sometimes be hard to receive feedback and so the story or or like when people are expressing gratitude for what you do. And uh, the story here is, so I, I, I'm speaking, I'm giving a keynote to 300 leaders in Utah in a month. And so I'm retaking a course I've already taken before. Remember investing in yourself. And it's called, I think, Executive Success Speaking. This guy, John Bates, that I know puts it on, You know, he helps people do TED Talks and just be effective. So one of the things he mentioned he tells a story about like gratitude and receiving like the last thing you should do after speaking people hopefully will be applauding and like that kind of stuff. And he, and he has, you do sort of this exercise where he says, okay, think about the course and how you've experienced. Right. And then say something nice to him. Right. So I said, John, you know, thanks for designing this course. It made me a better speaker. And he knew like, okay, he was going to do that. And he goes, Oh, shucks. It's no big deal. Like uh, anybody could have done it. Right. And he said, how did you feel when I did that? Right. And you don't feel so good about it. And then you do it again. John, thanks for designing the course. You could put it in your own words. Right. It really helped me be a a more effective speaker. And then he stands there. He says, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. And so uh, I don't even remember how I got into this story, but oh, yeah, the impact that has been the best thing and being comfortable just knowing that I'm, I'm helping people out because that that actually is kind of hard to, to hear that positive stuff sometimes. And so uh, I've grown in that. And that really is is my joy, because I, I know I'm making an impact. And I love that people know it
0: too. Daniel, definitely making an impact. That is for certain. And as always, I like to finish with an inspirational question. You provided tips. You provided personal stories. You've given actually a good definition of leadership too with regards to your book. But out of interest for the listeners listening in, what three qualities would you give them to put into action to be a more effective leader after listening to this podcast? What would those three elements or qualities be?
1: Yeah. Well, pick up the book it'll teach you the three elements because it's the ABCs. And so whether you're a classroom teacher, a head teacher, or you're in the sports industry, if you add more authenticity, more belonging and more challenge to whatever leadership and professional development experience you're creating, that will lead to transformation. It just does. And those are the components of a working system. So you know, that authenticity piece, people showing up as they are belonging and feeling connected, and then giving them that push, you know, to grow and be a bit better. That's, that's the secret
0: to success. Amazing. And look, to all the listeners listening in, how could people interact with you online? I know we've given you a website already, but just for people who want to connect with you on social media, where's the best place to go? Yeah. Daniel
1: at betterleadersbetterschools.com is my email. Pretty much everywhere on social, I'm Alien Earbud, which is an anagram for my name, Daniel Bauer. And then uh, if you want to call or text, of course, a US code, but the number is 312-788-7595.
0: That is great to all the listeners listening in. All those links will be on my website with regards to this podcast chat. Daniel, it's been such a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much.
1: Ed, just to reflect back to you, you are an extremely gifted podcaster. And this conversation felt so natural and organic and real. And uh, I appreciate that. And you created that space. So thanks for doing that. My pleasure.
0: What a wonderful conversation with Daniel. And it was such a joy to have him back on the show. But without a doubt, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast with regards to this week's topic. Firstly, a better understanding what a mastermind is. And you've taken Daniel's learning lessons of how to be a more effective leader within yourself. Because the biggest takeaway I've learned from this conversation and reflecting with regards to knowing Daniel four years ago with our first podcast chat is being authentic is key. Not just being a great leader, but actually how you show up in the sports industry or how you do the work you do in the sports industry. Being you is so important. It relates to that story that Daniel mentioned when he tried to model off that military teacher and he tried to apply it into his classroom and it just didn't work because he wasn't authentic. So just remember that you're already awesome. So show up awesome and be you because it will make life easier in the work you're doing. But if you want to serve others, or lead others, being yourself is vital. So I really do hope, finally, that you can apply that ABC method to your leadership qualities. Whatever sector of the sports industry you want to specialize in, apply those ABCs, which is authenticity, belonging, and challenge into the work you do. Put it into practice today and make it happen. Now, as always at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Daniel said, be authentic and show up who you are with belonging and the challenge to grow. That is the secret to your personal success.